Morning again, church. It's so good to be with you all. Uh, whether it's in person or virtual, we celebrate that we get to come together to worship our God together. Um, this morning, we're continuing in our series, Rhythms, the Beauty of a Life with God. And today, we're looking at a passage in 1 Kings chapter 19. So if you have your Bibles, you can open to there, or you can read along on the screen or on your devices. We're reading 1 Kings um, chapter 19, verse 9 to 15. This is the word of God. There he, Elijah, came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he, God, said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return to your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. This is the word of God. Two weeks ago, Kristen preached on the discipline of simplicity and how we can reflect on our attachment to things. Devlin last week preached on fasting, on restraining from consumption, whether food, media, whatever it might be, to focus on God. And today we're talking about the discipline of solitude. Now, I totally understand that with all that we faced with COVID, uh, with everyone feeling so tired, feeling alone, feeling disconnected, just hearing the word solitude might be frustrating. But before you decide to tune out, turn down the volume, and do whatever else you might on a Sunday morning, let me clarify what solitude is and what it isn't. Solitude is not about embracing a monastic lifestyle or, or becoming a hermit who never sees anybody, um, nor is it a celebration of introverts and a put down of the extroverts, right? As an introvert, uh, personally, I've, I know I have had an easier time adjusting to the social shifts that we've all faced than my, uh, than my extroverted friends. But the discipline of solitude is different from merely being alone or quiet. Solitude is God's invitation to turning down the noise of life so that we can see ourselves and see God more clearly. And while the word solitude itself might land initially as restrictive, confining, and possibly horrendously isolating, growth in this beautiful discipline will help us to actually live more freely with a greater capacity to care for others. And while um, this would be phenomenal regardless of our COVID realities, I believe uh, it's especially important 
as we begin to rebuild our rhythms to find our social footing. And so to start, let me explain what I mean by by turning down the noise of life. See, we're constantly bombarded by advertisements, messaging on what our lives need to look like, expectations from society, from our peers, and even our families. And all of this is what I'm referring to as the noise of life, which depicts and pushes a picture of what our lives should look like, whether it's around education, our career choices, to be married by whatever age with a picture-perfect wedding, married at all, gender roles, to, to whether to have kids, how many kids, where you are in your career, how fast you're progressing, where you live, decisions around fitness, nutrition, parenting styles, the cars that we drive, the clothes that we wear, the vacations that we take, it's exhausting. And unfortunately, the path of least resistance is often to internalize these expectations, whether they're helpful, whether they're harmful, whether they're in line with our values or not. And allowing this noise of life to direct our lives dismisses the beauty of who we are as individuals. And instead, we find ourselves being dragged along living on autopilot. So while this noise can be exhausting, the truth is the silence can be maddening. As a society, we struggle to slow down to be with ourselves to make time to be honest with ourselves, to sit with our deepest longings, fears, insecurities, past hurts. And instead, it's far easier, it's far easier to numb ourselves with everything from retail therapy, binge-watching shows and movies, and even turning to substance use. We chase cheap joys with, with ideas like living for the weekend, planning that next vacation, which can feel less like an enjoyable getaway and more like a desperate attempt at coming up for air. And today, as we read uh, of God inviting Elijah to this time in this, this quiet moment, we examine it to see uh, what it can show us about this discipline of solitude. See, Elijah, to give some background information, Elijah is the prophet whom God worked through to show his glory before the prophets of this false god, Baal. And Elijah challenges these prophets, 450 of them, to set up two offerings to be burnt, but to leave them unburnt, to leave them um, dry. And one is for Baal, one is for the God of Israel. And whichever God lights this offering would be seen as the one true God. And you see, to fast forward just a touch, the God of Israel eventually burns up this offering in this miraculous showing of his power and his glory. But not before Elijah, standing there alone, taunts the 450 prophets of Baal who are crying out to their God, beating themselves, even harming themselves, which is their way of of worshiping. And Elijah taunts them by saying, shout louder because maybe your God is asleep. And that's a pretty bold move. But very soon after this happens, this amazing display of God's power and glory, things take a turn for Elijah. And he's now being hunted down for what he's done, this boldness and this this courageous act that he's done. And Elijah, who was so confident, is now overwhelmed with fear, running for his life. So confident he was standing alone in front of the prophets of Baal, and, and, and who he had this gall to taunt them so boldly. He even saw God work in this miraculous way, and now he's terrified. You see, tragedy strikes. Life happens. 
life doesn't always go smoothly, circumstances change, and this adds to the noise of life. See, while Elijah's circumstances might be just a touch different from what you and I might face today, we're still thrown off, um, thrown off course by the circumstances of life. And that includes everything from the spectrum on the spectrum, from being offended by a simple comment by somebody that might put us in a bad mood, to even the deepest pains of life that throw our plans off course. Death of a loved one, life-altering medical, medical diagnoses, and even a global pandemic. And when this happens, we might find ourselves diving even deeper into unhelpful tendencies to double down on numbing, escaping, or even becoming defensive and combative with the ones we love. And as we begin to explore this discipline of solitude, as we begin to take time to recognize, see, and, and turn down the noise of life, sitting with the questions of how we're feeling, what we desire, what we want to see in life, what our fears are, and even what our insecurities are then we can begin to realize and see those moments where we're living on autopilot and begin to choose another way. You see, if you've never done this work before, it's a lot to navigate. It can be overwhelming, hard to even begin to exchange, uh, engage, confusing, and even annoying, frankly. And there are great tools out there, therapists to help us, meditation and mindfulness, and these are all great things. But for the Christian, this discipline of solitude begins, it starts as an invitation and a promise from God. Our discipline of solitude goes beyond mere self-awareness, mindfulness, or a meditative practice that starts and ends with the self. The Christian discipline of solitude is God's invitation to turn down the noise of life so that we can see more clearly ourselves and God. You see, God has made us in His image. He's designed us, and He's called us to live out His love, and He's promised to be with us. And solitude, informed by the Scriptures, gives us more insight into who God is and who we are meant to be. And while life-directed societal expectations will chip away at our personhood, God calls us to embrace the beauty of who He's made each of us to be and enjoy life with Him. While the world around us demands that we perform and measure up to standards of others, God tells us that in our weakness, he, His strength is made perfect. That He will be the one to complete the good work that He has begun in each of us. Elijah's experience at Mount Carmel where, where God does this miraculous thing is this incredible display of who God is. But here on, on Mount Horeb, we find God inviting Elijah to solitude. And the text says that God wasn't in the wind, the earthquake, or even in the fire which he had worked through before. Rather, God here is in the sound of a low whisper. Or another translation puts it, a brief sound of silence. And you see, after this, Elijah's circumstances have not changed. Yet, instead, there is clarity where there was chaos and confusion. There's direction where there was just running away. The clarity that Elijah is not alone, that God is still at work, that God is still with him. 
And so Elijah is given direction for things to come, a different choice than functioning out of fear. Now, personally, um, I'm a planner. I like structure. I like clarity. Uh, Even when I pray, I pray for God to grant me wisdom to plan and build my life faithfully and humbly with Him. As a planner, when it comes to big decisions or complicated situations, I tend to play out scenarios, the best case, the worst case, everything in between. And like anyone else, numerous times in my life, there have been times where I've been overwhelmed by big decisions or or circumstances and situations in all sorts of areas of life. And where my planning would normally help me to get to a decision or keep me from being uh, overwhelmed, it's often failed. In those times when I pray, asking God to lead and direct me, There have been miraculous moments where suddenly everything seems to line up and decisions are made clear in uh, unexpected and often bizarre ways that leave me, frankly, dumbfounded. Yet more common than that are times when in my frustration, I'll come to God in prayer and suddenly all the thoughts, calculations, the, the fleshed out scenarios in my mind clear to the side like clouds on a gray day suddenly clearing all at once to reveal the warmth of the sun. And in those moments, God reminds me that He is with me. And in still a bizarre way, I'm no longer overwhelmed. And my circumstances haven't changed, but I'm filled with a steady confidence that is beyond myself to take steps based on how God has called me to love and to live with his wisdom and values in hand. See, leaning into God's invitation to solitude allows us to be freed up from the impulses to escape, numb, chase cheap joys, to live on autopilot or or the desperation of trying to make our lives look right. We're instead freed to be honest with the difficult joyful in who God has called us to be, and even choose compassion when we're offended or hurt. We're freed to choose God's ways over our own, over running on autopilot. We're given strength to love beyond our means, to pour out compassion and mercy, and yet be filled with joy. We're able to stand with God, even against the most insistent and and unrelenting expectations of our culture. That in our careers, rather than just striving for our own good, we can work for the good of others, towards justice in the workplace, towards addressing broken systems, even systems that have hurt us. That in our families, we can work towards healing and reconciliation, even when we've been hurt by, to the core by those we hope would love us best. That in community, friendships and working for the good of our communities and cities wouldn't be extracurricular or expendable to every opportunity in career advancement. That we would expend time, resource to work for the good of the city as a whole that people would see and know God as we do. And these big and hard calls of God require us to turn down the noise of life, to develop a deeper awareness of ourselves and of God. And as we bring our lives to God in this discipline of solitude, 
seeing ourselves in God more clearly, even informed by the scriptures, enriched by a life in prayer, we might see God work in what seems to be miraculous and remarkable, but also in ways that seem mundane. While many will say God works in miraculous ways, we do well to remember that God works in normal ways through the faithfulness of his people. And the end result of it all is freedom and joy. Well, like I said before, it's hard to begin to explore this practice and discipline of solitude. If you're unfamiliar, if this is uncharted territory for you, um, know that it will be uncomfortable and maybe more difficult than you think. And so I want to challenge each of us, our church, to consider exploring this discipline. And maybe you start with the in-between times of life, the times when you wake up and lie in bed before the day gets started, throughout your morning routine as you get ready for the day, during a commute if you're getting back into having one, or in the moments right before you go to sleep. See, these are often wasted moments and can be great for checking in with ourselves and asking God what he's doing. Above that, we can look at planned times, maybe regular daily rhythms. Uh, Journaling is a phenomenal tool. But especially after stressful seasons or tragedy, big decisions or shifts, or even taking personal retreats to be alone, to step away from the normal rhythms of life. And as you explore, know that this is a discipline, a practice, something we grow in. Even Elijah, he, he wasn't perfect the moment God invited him into solitude, nor was he perfect after this encounter. But we embrace this invitation of God, knowing that he's inviting us to turn down the noise of life so that we can see ourselves and see him more clearly.